podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Everybody, hope you're doing okay. Just to got over that dreadful result on Boxing Day. Uh, we did do a show today over on the Blue Max Subscribers Weekly. And here coming up is a segment of it. Just a reminder as we go into the new year and what could potentially be another very dramatic end of the season for Everton. We are producing content over on the Blue Room Extra. It's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra if you want a little bit more from us. Um, this show was around about an hour long. Uh, here's about 10 minutes of it uh, where myself, Les Roberts, Dave Downey and Dan Vane all had a chat about the weekend, what went wrong, what Everton needs to do now, what on earth is going to happen against Manchester City. But this particular segment is about the comments Frank Lampard made after the game in relation to the fans and what happened there and the potential role the anxiety and edginess of the fans played in Wolves' late late winner. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this clip. A reminder, if you want to listen in full, it's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Hopefully we'll see you over there. And in the meantime, hope you enjoyed this segment from our most recent show. People blaming the fans for what obviously happened there. It staggers me quite some way. And I think probably be half decent to have a chat about this. Firstly, Matt, given that people kicking off and I was myself watching it, when you're seeing our two centre-backs just play the ball towards each other for about 10 different times when we're in the uh, we're in injury time and everybody's sitting there moaning saying, get the ball forward because they want us to try and win it. We're drawing one all the time. And then since we went on a lose, people are blaming fans for saying we needed to get the ball forward. We're playing at home against the side at the bottom of the league. What else do you want to happen there? Is anybody, honestly, is any of you guys sitting there thinking, do you know what, keep the ball, we just need to draw? I, I definitely wasn't sitting there saying, right, let's, let's, let's just see this one out. It's a, it's a good point. Exactly. Well, me, me and you, Les, we're, we're in the ground, so we've got to take some of this responsibility for the loss, clearly. I'm in the park. Uh, based on the loss, like a behind them. So. Yeah. Based on what Frank Lampard said afterwards, you know, um, we have got to take our, our share of the blame. But I mean, yeah. Let, let's let's get straight to that. Um, you know, it, it was for me, Les, it wasn't so much that the lads were knocking it between in the centre-halves. It was that no one was really showing for the ball or wanting to take any kind of responsibility in, in that last few minutes. And, like, watching it back again, that the pass Tarkovsky plays isn't the worst no. pass in the world. Like, it gets to Patterson and he sort of messes up the header and then they break from there. So it's not as if, like... The fans encouraging them to knock the ball forward led to us giving the ball straight give away straight away and they broke from it. If Patterson had done a bit better, we would have actually yeah. gone forward and, and had a chance there. But I, I just thought it was a bit, I don't know, not, not out of order from Lampard, but just a little bit rum to even Desperate, but it was. I thought that. it was desperate for him to say that. Yeah, it, it wasn't. As you said, Matt, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly anything aimed at Tarkovsky or um, Godfrey. It was the people ahead of them. There was no movement. We 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 sort of fallen into this cycle of the only way we attack is I don't know what the midfield do, but the midfield get the ball, knock it back to the centre back, the centre back knocks it out wide. Then we might go down the wing, but then the wingers seem to be really not given a good ball to the full backs. So it comes back inside and it goes to midfielder who then knocks it back to the centre back. It's like it's like our centre half is expected to dictate the play when that's what you want your centre mids doing. It, it's a really weird way of playing, and it's it. It just slows everything right down because it's just nothing between centre backs and centre mids without really doing anything. 
And then as you say, you know, the, the end of the game, we're all thinking like, you know, we can actually go and win this. Five minutes, the, the roar went up as usual when that much injury time gets called and it's a close game. And and yeah, and we're just saying, just do something with it. And if, you know, if footballers are getting that affected, well-paid professional footballers, if the way they play football is affected that much by the crowd getting a little bit edgy, probably not the right profession for them. You know, they're the ones who've got the ball. They're the ones who are on the pitch. They're the professionals. They can actually play the game. They should be doing stuff against this Wolves side, you know, to to make it difficult for them. And he didn't. And then when the move did break down, when that ball got knocked out to Traore, I think this is probably reflective right around the ground. Have you seen that video from the top balcony? I think it is going round. We've just got someone going, no, 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 no. We were all exactly the same thing. Oh, no, no, no. Because he was so, he was so like on his own there. Wolves play a stream of four, but ends up three at the back post. All our players are jogging back. You know, it's, it, there was no desire to get back and stop that goal. It, it really did remind me of Watford last year and um, the sort of some of the comedy goals we conceded against them. It was the same kind of thing. And you can't, I can't really forgive players for not putting in the same efforts as the Wolves players to get back to defend as they were putting in to score it. It was very, very avoidable, that goal. Um, and anyone blaming the fans for it needs to have a word of themselves and you know have a, have a look at what really went wrong there. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what, what did you make of all that, mate, from the um, fan reaction to, to what the manager had to say about it afterwards and, and of course, the, the actual goal itself? It's my son shouting at me on, on Alexa. Um, uh, no. Um, <laughs> Was that what you were shouting as walls broke forward? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, firstly... Firstly, this is quite the gear change from the Neckin and Sausage podcast I was on previously. Um, <laughs> but um, for me, I'd, the thing that's conflicted me a bit, and it felt like when that comment came out, a lot of what I'd been discussing in my own inner monologue flipped when I heard him say that. Because I used to say to people about the whole Gerard Villa thing and when Lampard joined us, the difference was that Gerard never really wanted to be there. And you could tell that he never made an effort to connect with their fans. He made no effort whatsoever. He saw it purely as a conduit to where he wanted to go. And the minute he's gone, his kids kazoo kits have been burnt in the back garden. And there's the fat Mo Salah mural on his, <laughs> on his kid's bedroom wall, you know, it looks like Jeremy Beadle. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, or, or um, Peter Sutcliffe, but, <laughs> it's like, it's like, so he, but I always used to say to people, the reason why we were so behind Frank, even in that tightrope of last season, was because they genuinely felt like there was a, not a connection, but they felt like there was an empathy from him to us, us to him. And for me, when I saw that comment, it kind of brought home to me the reality of football, which is, most people who work in professional football don't think of it like us. They don't live it like us. Even professional footballers don't think of football the way we do. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't sting. It doesn't ruin their weekend like it does to us because it's a job. And, you know, he's not a fan. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He believes in his head that he's trying to do something that we don't see. But I was at the Ipswich game on Boxing Day, watching Ipswich. And they're, they're a very good side. They're second in the league. I've been to see them half a dozen times this year and I've seen six wins. 
they're a very good side. They've got a good system and they play to a certain way, three at the back. But um, it's, you know, they've got, there's an incredible momentum behind them. And who they were playing at the weekend, they should be battering, to be fair. And after 20 minutes, the crowd gave them a reminder that that's what they should be doing by getting a little bit antsy and a little bit move it, move it quicker, quicker, move it. And even McKenna was on the sideline kind of going, wake up, you know, you're better than these. It took them till late in the first half to score and then they sort of got their thing. But you don't see him coming out afterwards and saying, well, for the first 20 minutes, the fans need to cut after 20 minutes, fans need to just understand it's Boxing Day, you know, and for him to kind of say that we're edgy. I thought he understood that the reason why we're edgy is because we've had 25 years of absolute crap. I thought he understood the reason why we're edgy is because we were in this position last year. The reason why we're edgy is because you should be getting better from what you have. And he should do. That's just the facts. He should be getting better from what he has in that squad. And he isn't. He's had six weeks. He's, he's, he has served up that again. And that's why we're edgy. It's not because we're not piling forward on 91st minutes. because we are living this year in, year out, season in, season out. Edgy. And edgy is what we are because we don't know where this is going. And at the moment, we thought we were going to see a response. And for him to not understand that that was not the response we wanted is naive. And it's also, unfortunately, it's the first sign of him deflecting. And it's the first sign of him. He used to do it by calling out the players. Last year, he just dropped a few of the players in the ship to deflect it. But now he's deflecting it on us. Who will he deflect it on next? And it just feels like that's the first alarm bell of someone being out of their depth. That's the first alarm bell of someone who isn't in control of this situation because the fans got you out of this last year and I don't know whether they've got the stamina to do it again. And the least you can do is try and turn that around with performance. And the performance wasn't there. It just wasn't there. I think that just to pick up on that, Dan, about um, the fans won't have the, the sort of energy to go through that again this year. I completely agree. If we're if we're pulled into that position again where we need to do what we did last season, there'll just be anger. There'll be no the oh, way yeah, it's going to turn into a little bit of a sort of a carnival atmosphere last year and everyone was behind the team. And then this year it'll just be anger. I think the way I the way I see it is it'll be the difference between the ninety-four last day relegation um escape and the ninety-eight one. Whereas 94 was joyous and everyone was just relieved. It was like, it was a big anomaly. This will never happen again. 98, everyone was like, right, this is too much now. We, we did that yeah. a few years ago. We don't want to do it again. I think we'll have the same this year. If we get back in that position, absolutely no way it will be anything like it was last season. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced. I don't think he'll be the manager by the time we, we get to the end of the season. Um, in fact, I could see it happen pretty soon. I could see it happening in January as well, I think. I think, well, any any Everton fan listening to this surely can't be saying if you think we're going to get anything at Manchester City. Then Brighton at home is going to be huge. It already is huge, but we're probably going to be in the bottom three by the time we have that Brighton game at home. Screw the FA Cup. I couldn't, I couldn't give less of a shit to the FA Cup game at, at United. Um, and then who's got after that matter, is it? 
He gets West Ham. We've got Southampton at home, haven't we? We might have some away game between them as well. It might, I think it might be West Ham. I'll, I'll just West check. West Ham, I think it yeah, is. West Ham, I, think. I, I can't see us getting through at least three of those with him still being the manager now. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not one for shouting extreme comments like that, but I just don't see it happening because I think you've got a high, high percentage of our fan base now who wants him to go. There's been a little bit less than that wants them to go during the uh, World Cup window. Um, and the other side of it, I think, as well is the clowns at the board will be looking at this thinking, well, if we blow our load and what we can go and buy in, in January, what players we can get in in January, do you really want Frank Lampard, who's already, who's already the manager of us whilst we're in and amongst the bottom three, to be the person that's going to take charge of the side to the end of the season? And with the ones along with Thelwell, who's been allowed to spend money or take loans. I don't think we've got a lot of money to spend. I think that's pretty pretty common, isn't it? We Most of us know we haven't got much money to spend. You're looking at loans then. I'm, I'm a lot more scared about this season, about us going, than I was last year. Um, and then you start looking at, well, what manager do you look at who, who could come in and save us? I mean, a couple of people have told you today, it was like, you know, go and get Dice immediately and things like that. I mean, I hate going down that road thinking that, that we have to go and do it. But, I mean, I, I've been on, I've been behind Lampard since we've had him in there. I think I'd love to have seen that type of manager succeed with us. I think it was a good fit. But now I just think it, it feels like an inevitability to me that he's going to go. And what comes next? With the board having to decide this is pretty terrifying, in my opinion. Yeah, just just very quickly on, on the Lampard comments again before we we go back to the game. I mean, the thing that you, you've all sort of touched upon there is about what might come next in regards to fans having to go to that well again and, and dig out mm. all the blue flares and, and start carrying dogs around the stadium. You know, we might all have to go back to that place again. And I think to do that, you need you need to have that that, that unity, which sort of came. So it came about organically last season, didn't it? I think it was just before that yeah. Chelsea game where everyone sort of collectively went, right, let's leave our grievances with the players and, you know, the owner and the board at the door and all just, you know, come together. And it just it just sort of happened and it was it was great for a bit. And it feels like after we get levered by City on Saturday, that that's, that's going to be what Lampard's going to say after the game, isn't it? It's going to be, we all need to stick together. We all need to get behind each other. We all need Goodison to be a great place for Everton to play football on Tuesday against Brighton. And it sort of feels like he's maybe undermined himself a little bit in that perspective by even going there with that comment about the fans. Because even if you think it, don't don't say it. Don't say it when you're going to call yeah. for everybody to, yeah. be, to, to be in unison over the next few weeks and, and, and pull together to try and help this team over the line. Just keep your mouth shut. Just, just, yeah. just shut a little bit of the question off. Sports Social Podcast Network.